today I wanted to get into Soul Sessions Part 2. Last week we talked about uh, the four things, and we're we're taking them each step. The four things that the enemy uses uh, to attack your soul. Now before I can get deep into this, I, I have to preface this. Uh, because some people, most people understand, some people don't understand. Somebody's always catching me after service, saying, Pastor, can you explain this to me? So we're, gonna, we're just going to do that today. Um, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Everybody give, you with me? You are, at the very essence of who you are, you are a spirit. Now, I don't have time to kick over too many cows today about whether your soul goes to hell, your spirit does. We ain't going to talk about that. But the truth is, is you have a spirit side, you have a soul side, and they both live together in a body. Your spirit, even if you're saved, unsaved, believe a different religion, whatever it is, your spirit wants to be and should be forever connected to God. Uh, don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about universalism. What I'm saying is the spirit side of who you are always is connected to God whether you recognize it or not. It's the soul of who you are, the mind, the will, the emotions that actually rules your body and tells you go left, go right, don't touch that, it's hot. You know, you need to correct this, you need to fix that. You know, it it brings fear into your life. It brings emotions to the height. Those are things that are designed to navigate this world, but they were never given to you to decide how you live. Amen. You were given a spirit to be forever connected to God, to hear what he has to say about how you live, and a soul to how to navigate your body. It's almost like your soul is your car. And it goes where you tell it to go, and you as the driver or the spirit, that's how it should operate. Amen? So, <laughs> y'all, everybody okay with me this morning? Because I know that some people disagree with me on that, but by the word, it's the truth. You are a tripart being. You would not have three parts if they didn't have three different functions. Your soul was never designed to decide your life. Listen, let me tell you something. You will hear things in your spirit. You will hear things in the spirit of who you are that God will ask you to do things that make no sense to your soul. Well, it's the easiest way to say it. It will make no sense to your mind. My favorite scripture to prove that is this. Bless those that despitefully use you and persecute you. I had somebody try to steal from my family. Um, Cussed me out. I had to run them off some property. And I gave them $100. You know how hard that was? Lord said, give him $100. I said, that's all I got. He said, that's all I want. That's tough. That's when you know you're trying to live out of a different part of who you are. Now, that's where we're trying to get to, amen? Last week, we really, really broke this down. and some things, and I'm not going to go through it again, but ultimately what we said was the four ways that the enemy tries to get to you is number one, addiction. We dealt with that last week and how you become that addiction. You, that becomes your identity. And if anybody tries to take that addiction away from you, then you become very angry or fearful. Um, addiction is one of those things that I deal with a lot being somebody that teaches at Canaan Land in different scenarios. But the truth is, addiction is not just drugs, y'all. Amen. Addiction, addiction can be Facebook. Uh-oh, don't, nobody look up, point at nobody. <laughs> Addiction can be video games. Addiction can be more than, uh, listen, addiction can be drama. I've refused, I've absolutely refused to be around people who are all the time in drama and when they break up, they want you to take sides because you know they're so addicted to the drama with each other, they're going to come back together. I refuse it. I refuse to have that in my life. But people are addicted to things. People are addicted to feeling sorry for themselves. 
Oh, see, I found y'all. Ain't nobody amening now. You, people, people are addicted. Let, let me tell you something. People are addicted at griping at people. You ever been in the parking lot and throw a fit when nothing's going on? No, nobody's saying, everybody's scared now. Nobody's going to say nothing. Listen, so we can get addicted to that, and that becomes our reality, and that becomes something we live in, and that becomes something that you really struggle with. And that's what we talked about last week. And what we got to understand is that we got to move forward in this. And once you're addicted to something and you recognize it and you really start trying to fix things in your life, you move over to part two, which is what we're talking about today, and that's depression. You move over into the depression side of it. So go with me in the book of Psalms 42. Psalms 42, we're going to start at verse 3. And I'm going to do my dead level best to stay on point today. And get this out. I've got very little time. Uh, but you know what? I've learned a long time ago. The only person looking at the clock really is me. And I've decided I'm just going to preach it all, right? Y'all good with that? All right. Psalms 42, verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. Now, I'm, I'm reading. Uh, this, is, this is King James. Uh, my tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? Now, New King James says it this way, uh, Where is your God? These things I remember, I'll pour out my soul. Verse 4, I used to go with the multitude. I mean, I used to go with them. Leading the procession to the house of God. It means I used to go to church. Man, I used to shout, I would be the guy that lead everybody there. Praise the Lord, come on, we're going to church. And then that's the person that this is talking about. And then all of a sudden, you move over into with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among festive throngs. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed with me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, uh, my Savior, my God. Now listen, that is important for you to understand because if you, if you back up and pro, if you go to Proverbs 23 and 7, it says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now I want to show you something. Now this is, we're in a little bit of a teaching grace today, so I want you to see something. Now when you get into Proverbs, and as a matter of fact, go to this in your Bible. Go to Proverbs 23 and 7. And it says this, there's going to be several different texts here. But Proverbs 23 and 7 says at the, in the, at the B part, at the last part of the text, For as he thinks in his heart, comma, so is he. Now, if you're one of those people that believe you're not supposed to write in a Bible, I don't want to offend you, but you need to write in your Bible. You need to take your pen and you need to put the comma in a different place. The comma, the, the translators for the King James, their punctuation is different than our punctuation, which means that we see things the way they wrote it and the way we think it, and sometimes it causes great confusion. So in this text, it actually should be, for as he thinks, comma, in his heart, so is he. See, whatever's going on in your heart, that's who you are. Now, we've preached this as if, well, if you think it long enough or, or you confess it, especially that's word of faith people, if you confess it, it'll get down in your heart. And if it gets down in your heart, that'll be who you become. No, no, no. What comes out of you is who you are. And you know who you are when pressure's applied. When pressure's applied to you, you figure out real quick who you are. So you got to understand what goes into your heart is the most important thing. Now, this is what I want you to see. Number one, you will never change your life until you change the way you think. You'll never change your life until you change the way you think. Now listen, you are, now this, I, I don't want you looking around. 
You are the sum total of the, the most important five people you hang around. That's who you are. And if you hang around with your five buddies more than you hang out with your wife, you, you, you're going to put your wife on a very bad trail with you. If, if you're one of those people that, would, that hang out and talk about everything but Jesus but come to church every once in a while, you're not, you, you, listen, there is a very real difference between a man and a woman that goes to church and a Christian, it's a Christian couple, and a man and woman of God. Y'all okay? There's real difference. I'm not saying they're not going to heaven. I'm not saying they're good people, not good people. What I'm saying is when you put the word inside of you and you change the way you think and you move into something that puts you in a place where you are more ready to say what he says versus what you think, now you're moving over into a place where your entire life can change. Well, Pastor, you know, you know we, just, we just give it to the Lord. Give what? What are you giving? I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just asking you what. My, my, my favorite question, I always love to ask this to, to all my Canaan guys and different people. They'll tell me, you know, God told me to do this or uh, God said I'm going to do this. And I'll say two things. I'll either say tell me how or tell me why. And it's not an issue of them giving me a, a three-page essay on why. It's an issue of them understanding when you understand how or why, it's because of him. That is the only way you can accomplish anything in life. But you have to give him first place. You'll never change your life until you change the way you think. Ask yourself this question. Who are you listening to the most? What's the loudest voice in your life? Now, for, for some of us, the loudest voice is our frustration or anger. Our attitude, the things we just like to pop off at somebody. I know that's none of y'all. <laughs> I know it's me. Some of us, it's, it's fear. Some of us, the minute something happens, we revert into a shell and we're so fearful that things are going to go sideways that we really just don't want to say anything. For some of us, it's religion. We pop off into our religious ways. Well, God's in control. You might want to read your Bible. That phrase ain't true. Oh, now, I felt that get tight. <laughs> Let's deal with that. If God was in control, why would Adam mess up? Let's go back to Genesis. We ain't got to use New Testament. It, well, you know, Pastor, you know, Jesus did it all. It's, it's finished. Yeah, it is finished, but you still got work to do. And your work is to use what Jesus left you here. It's to put things in application and to see things happen in your life. You are never going to walk in the fullness of what God has called you to if you are unable to know and say what the Lord has said for you to do. Now, what you got to do is you got to listen to the voice. You got to get to a place where you're willing to hear it. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to give you just a few more scriptures, and then we'll get over into it. I'm sorry, John, John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 44. Let's lay this foundation, and then we'll see where we go. John chapter 8, verse 44. John chapter 8, verse 44. Are you there? Say amen. All right, here we go. 44. You are of your father the devil. Boy, that's edifying, Pastor Allen. <laughs> you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, speaking of Satan, and abode not in the truth, because there was no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Listen to that. Basically, you could say this. When God has told you to do something and you hear anything opposite of that, that is the enemy, that is Satan speaking in his native tongue, which is real simple. Don't believe it. 
right? If he's the father of lies, if he's speaking in his native tongue, that is native to him, you don't believe it. Well, how do I know? You know, how do I know? Is that me? Is that God? Is that the devil? Well, that's the first thing we got to fix. First of all, I'm going to make this real simple for you. If it's God, listen to me, if it's God, it will be almost impossible. I said almost. If it's God, he will ask you to do something that edifies the body, edifies people, and ask you to do something for Jesus. And it seems so big you can't do it if it's God. Well, pastor, you know, God hadn't called me to 20,000 people. When we talk about 20,000 people, some people it's big for you to pray for somebody in Walmart. It's huge. Now, if it's you, there's confusion in it because you're self-serving. You don't know, am I here, am I there? That's simple. That's easy to figure out. But if it's the enemy, there's always confusion, pain, and hurt for somebody in the scenario. Well, I'm just going to tell them off. That ain't God. They need to be dealt with. That ain't God. I know this because I live this. There's, listen, the church has been in love with punishment for decades. And Jesus didn't come to punish. He came to set the captive free. He came to give you an opportunity to walk in something that you didn't know you could walk in. He died, shed blood. Well, you know, God turned his back on him. God's heart was broken. Read your Bible. The Bible said that it pleased God to murder him because it brought all of you to him because God knew the end from the beginning. He gave a son. He sowed into the ground a seed of a child. He gave it to reap millions of children in all of you. But not just to be saved, not just to go to heaven. I think that's wonderful, but that's not the entire point. That is part of it. But the entire point is, yes, for you to have the door open for you to go to heaven, but it's also to learn how to operate his word on this planet and finish what was started. Well, the Bible says it was finished. Yeah, it was finished. You know what was finished? What was finished was the payment for you to operate the vehicle he gave you. He gave you faith. He gave you healing. He gave you deliverance. He gave you a mode of operation to say what he said and watch it happen. He gave you something to see things happen. But you don't, you're never going to walk in it by saying, well, God's in control. Because we refuse to take our responsibility as Christians. You know, I, well, Pastor, I just don't believe you. Fine, I don't care. Here's why I can prove that. The church is full of people. When people hit this altar, rather than heart, their heart breaking and them getting down here and praying with them, will say, what'd they do? You know why people don't fill the altar anymore? It's not because of the preachers. I, I'm past all that. It's because of the judgment in the chairs. I, I know. I know I'm preaching good. Y'all ain't got to tell me. I know it. Because I live this. I watched this. I watched I watched people that I would bring to church that were drug addicts like I used to be. I'd bring them to church, and I'm like, man, well, let's get you in the altar. Let's, let's pray. Let's, let's break this. And then they're, they're up there, and, and you hear people whispering, well, what are they doing up there? What's wrong with him? What he, oh, you know where he was the other night? Let me tell you all something. If you all think for one minute God didn't know what was already going on before they got here, it ain't none of your business. Because we can't get people free when they're staying over here in this phase where they're in fear because the very people they should trust are the ones that are judging them the most. 
And until we can break that in the church, we have to move to a place where our soul's not in charge, but we're in a place where our spirit's in control, and we're saying what thus saith the Lord. That our response to somebody is when they say, I can't get past this. I'm just a dirty old sinner. I'm a drug addict. Our response is, you're the head but not the tail. You're above but not beneath. You're the apple of his eye. Whether you know it or not, God's so close to you, he sees his reflection in your eye. He just wants you to recognize it. That's God. Well, Pastor, you're just preaching grace. No, no, no. Trust me, the grace guys would already ran me out by now. Because the truth is, grace is not my, it's not my, it's not my job to figure out where the end of grace is. It's not. But my job is also not to sit here and just tell you God doesn't have a standard. Because he does. But his standard, listen to me now, God's standard is not behavior. God's standard is not dwelling in your behavior. God's standard is dwelling in your spirit. And when you move into your spirit and accept what he's telling you by the word, your behavior changes. You're trying to fix something in fleshly examples that you can't fix. See, I'm way off my notes. Y'all might as well just shut that computer down. We ain't going there. Listen, you and me and everybody on this planet are trying to get something from God and not recognizing that Jesus has already given it to us and we're trying to pay a price with our own guilt and our own shame and our own pain and our own judgment that was already paid on the cross. You couldn't pay for it. That's why you needed him. So don't accept him and then keep trying to pay for it. Listen, I own all my vehicles. I own her beautiful car. I own their beautiful car. I own my crappy truck. Because, <laughs> you know, mom and the girls get the cars. And if somebody called me tomorrow and said, you owe me $10,000 on these cars, I'm not even going to have a conversation with them because I own it. Now, when you accept Jesus... Your freedom was paid for. Listen, y'all. When you accept Jesus, your victory is paid for. Now, just because the cars are paid for doesn't mean that when they were 14 versus 20, they didn't have to learn how to drive it, but we still owned it. So there are things that God has put into you that he wants you to get some of these voices out of your head and start doing and saying and believing what he's called you into where you can be, say, and do and accomplish what he's telling you to do, not by works, but by faith. That doesn't mean that it's effortless. But it does mean that your effort is in him. Lord, what do I do next? What do I do here? What do I do here? People don't seem to understand that God set very simple standards for the kingdom and how it should work. It all works by seed time and harvest. Every single thing works by seed time and harvest. You plant a seed in the ground, something grows out of it. You plant a seed in the ground, something grows out of it. And whether you know it or not, the life that you're living right now is whatever seed that you sowed into the ground of your heart is what you're living. If you say, my marriage ain't never going to work, you can try all you want to, but you're still saying it, it's never going to work. You can say, my kids just don't. My kids, they all crazy. They just crazy. I love them, and I'm just going to love them through it, but they all crazy. You're sowing that. You're putting that into the ground. If you're saying things like, I ain't never going to get a break. I, can't, I ain't never going to get a job. I ain't ever going to get, man, it's never going to work for me. Some, but, you know, the rich get richer. Well, you, you ain't never going to walk at nothing. If you, listen to me, 
if you can make up your mind that you're his and you want what he wants for you and then you can start understanding what his word says about you and who you are, your life can absolutely start, I said start turning around. Because if I've learned anything with God, everything works by consistency. You can't be up this day and down tomorrow. Thank God for grace. That's what grace is for. But if you want to walk in something you didn't think was even possible in your life, if you want to break things on your life, that you, I, I, I love to sit with guys at Canaan Lamb. I love to sit with somebody that I'm talking to about getting them in. I love, I love when we get the Becoming Center open and what we're going to be doing for these guys. Because if I can take them to Romans 8 and 1 and show them that there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ... It changes their entire world because their whole mind is built around condemning themselves. I was a drug addict, so you're looking at somebody who understands. Do you honestly think that I did not know I was a drug addict? And somehow we think we have to paint the picture for how bad they are. They know. The last thing they need is for somebody telling them what they need to do. They know what they need to do. They just can't. You know why they can't? Because they don't have the strength. You know why they don't have the strength? Because it's in them. They're trying to pay a price that's already been paid. You can't do that. So what you have to do is this. You have, to, you have to understand who you're listening to. You have to understand that the devil will lie to you. You have to understand that the world will pollute you. And you have to understand that the, uh, the problems of your life will confuse you. Now listen, if you're going to change the way you want to live, you've got to change the way you think. But the only way you're going to change the way you think is to renew your mind. How do you new, renew your mind? That's simple. That's spending time with God every day in His Word. Let me tell you something. Now, I'm a preacher of the gospel, and I'm passionate about the Bible. But if I'm tired, you know what I do? I pull, if, if I can't go to sleep, I pull the Bible out. puts me right to sleep. These and thous and those and begats and what the? puts me right to sleep. But if you fall in love with Jesus and you begin to find yourself in there, even if you have to push past your flesh and your soul and your emotions, even if you have to push past all that and find who you are where he says, this is my son. Listen, listen, listen. When Jesus was baptized, God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Then that man went to the cross. Jesus as our Savior went to the cross. Listen to me. Follow me on this. Jesus went to the cross, he was beaten, he bled, he took scars, he took all the different things for different healings in our body, and he bled out. And the very thing he bled out went into the dust of the ground. The very thing you're created of is the dust of the ground. Jesus bled so you could accept that blood as his child. Uh, Jesus, save me. Cover me with your blood. So when God looks at this earth, he sees the blood of Jesus, not you. We have to get out of this narcissistic mindset where it's all about us. When God looks at the planet and he sees the blood of his son active, he sees somebody that he is well pleased with no matter where you've been. But your mind won't let you accept that because you're in your soul. People think I'm crazy. Can I just make that announcement? People think I'm crazy. They can't take it that it's that easy. I'm not saying that it's effortless. Please understand, I'm not saying that there aren't challenges. There's a devil loose. I'm not saying that there won't be things in life you have to deal with. I'm not saying any of that. But what I'm saying is when you see who you are in him and that you're covered in something more powerful than you, you settle into a place where you know he's got you. 
And if he's got you, all you have to do is listen to him and do what he says. And as you're saying what he said, this is what the Lord says, now you've put him into control. That's how it works. Are y'all listening? You don't have to live under the curse anymore because that price was paid. Stop trying to fix things in your life that you don't know how to fix and just get close to him and let him tell you how to make this work. You can't fix your marriage. Ladies, you can't fix your crazy husband. You can't do it. Hey, men, you ain't going to fix her. They think in 13,000 ways you ain't thought yet. You can't fix them. But you have to love them through him. And they love you through him. Because if you try to love each other in some, well, all we need is love. Yeah, you try to pay the power bill with love. And that's, you know, the thing is this. When you're addicted to something and your soul is addicted to it, you try to move away from it, you become very depressed. And you get to this place that if anybody tries to put you in a box and try to say, well, you can't do that anymore, although you know you don't need to do it, it pushes you right back to it. And you get into this cycle where you don't want to be here, and I'm free, and I'm, 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 I'm getting over it, but then you run back to it. And then you get over here, and you run back to it. You ever tried to quit smoking? I know y'all holy. Nobody raised your hand, but I used to smoke. And I can't tell you how many times I threw them cigarettes out the window and turned around and went five miles back to get them. I can't tell you how many times I did that. I'm quitting. Today's the day. And then your mind starts telling you, my God, you're paying $35,000 a pack now. You might as well go back and get them. Your body's craving something. But I gave my life to Jesus, and I said, Jesus, I can't do this, and never smoked again because I gave it to him. Are y'all with me? Y'all listening? It's a good place to say amen. Because what you got to do is you got to understand that he has this handled if you'll just give it to him. Casting the whole of your care on him because he cares for you. April and I were listening to a minister that, that we love to listen to yesterday. Somebody sent me a video. I'm, I was in a situation with my aviation stuff that uh, I had to take a re-up. There's a test. Sometimes you have to take a retest and some things. And I had to take a retest. And... Uh, and my confession for years was my justification for failing tests. I can fly a plane like crazy, but taking the, the paper test drive me crazy. But, but I would always say, I just don't test well. I just, I just don't test well. I just, I just don't test well. Even in school, I would say, I just don't test well. Well, what I did is I trained myself to not test well. So I'm taking a test now, and, and I'm having to make myself say, I have the mind of Christ. The creator of aviation is in me. I can pass this test. And let me be honest with you, I did pass that, and it was only because the, the anointing of God <laughs> helped me through it because I didn't know half them answers. You know, you just like, you know, that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm flying a plane. Mm. <laughs> you ain't flying a plane with that question, trust me. But the thing is, I'm having to relearn how to throw everything I care about back on him. Because we were listening to uh, a minister that we, we love dearly. And, and I'm going to tell his story real quick, and then we're going to try to bring this thing in for landing. At 25 years old, 25, how many of y'all are in your 20s? I know all y'all are. 25 years old. Now, he was preaching, but at 25 years old, he was in the hospital with a bleeding ulcer because of the stress he carried. 25. Well, you got to be stressed at at 25. I'm still paying your bills. Jesus. My kids. 25. At 25 years old, well, I had kids at 25, but I wasn't so stressed I had an ulcer. So he's laying there. Now, this is in the 80s. 
He cannot get, now he's preaching the gospel, but he cannot get his stress under control. He's laying there and they're, they're having to, you know, he's having to go through these procedures and they're putting blood in him because he's losing so much blood, he's bleeding internally. And as he's having blood put into him, a news report comes on the news. He's sitting there watching news in the hospital and they're talking about this new disease. This new disease that's, they, they don't even have a name for it, but it's transferred through blood. Of course, we're talking about AIDS. Anybody remember the, the 80s when AIDS came out? So now he's got blood going into his, he's so stressed out that he now has AIDS. Now they can't fix the ulcer and he won't be intimate with his wife because he's afraid he's going to transfer. He doesn't even know if he has or not. And he's setting up appointments privately to all these doctors to go have all of these HIV tests. And they're, of course, they're coming back negative, but the doctors are saying back then, y'all don't remember this, but back then they would say, well, 70% of these tests ain't good anyway because we don't know how to test for it. So he's going through all of this stress until the day he walks into a doctor's office. Now, he did this about 10 times with 10 different doctors. And he walks in, he gets this AIDS test, and he's walking out, and the secretary says, Hello, Pastor. And now he's got to explain why is he taking an AIDS test to his entire congregation. Stress. All for nothing. None of it was real. None of it was real. Because when you put your everything that you need over on Him, the Bible says, 1 Peter 5 and 7, casting the whole of your care on Him because He cares for you. When you can get out of your soul and get into your spirit and throw everything that you have onto Jesus, just give it to the Lord. And that's, not, that's easier said than done. But when you can let it go, you can watch Him get involved in your life because the Bible says, cast your care which by definition means all of your worry, your fret, and your stress over onto him. Now listen, because he cares for you, which is the exact same word in the Hebrew, which means that he carries worry, care, and fret for you. Imagine a God that's stressed out because you won't accept his blessing. That's what he wants for you to do. He wants you to get past everything in your soul that's got you depressed and afflicted and, and addicted and holding you over here. And if you can learn to get past all of the junk and the distractions and the things in your life that's got your attention. And now I ain't talking about being some religious prude, but I am talking about being in love with him. I am so in love with God, I can't explain it. Because God took a drug addict and somebody who wasn't very good to his family and somebody who wasn't very good to his wife and, and wasn't very good to people and said, you may not be what they want, but you're what they're needed. I'm going to anoint you to do it. And he turned my heart around to fall in love with people. Because it breaks my heart to see people hurting. It breaks my heart to see people struggling. Breaks my heart. You know what breaks my heart worse? Than, than, and, you know, if you give, me, you give me two drug addicts in the room and I can fix them. You give me two religious people, can't fix them. Because their soul has convinced them that they're right. And they're unteachable by the Bible. Well, this is what the Word says. I don't care what the Word says. A Christian has said to me, I don't care what the Word says. This is what Mama said. Who cares what your Mama said? Your Mama ain't God. Well, Papa and them talk. I don't care what Papa and them said. No disrespect. Papa and them didn't know everything. I don't know everything. He knows everything. And when you're willing to lay down what you think to get into what he knows, your entire life can change. Amen? Y'all stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet with me. Just bow your heads all over the place. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person in this room. 